And who said that enjoyment in life has to come after retirement? Why are you yeah, delaying it's that? It's depressing. It's, it's super depressing. depressing. That's how I like, felt. I, I was on the freeway one day and I wrote about this because I was on the freeway for four hours one day, four hours. And I said, <laughs> this is my life. I'm spending anywhere between two to four hours a day on the freeway and stop and go traffic. And I said, and this is the prime of my life. And my kids are at home and I don't see them because I get home and they're in bed already. And I said, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to live like this anymore. You're listening to It Gets Late Early, a show about the experience of getting older in the tech industry. I'm your host, Maureen Wiley-Clough. Let's dive in. Welcome to It Gets Late Early. Today I have with me Larry Cornett, who is an ex-Silicon Valley longtime employee, ex-entrepreneur, now solopreneur turned executive coach as well. And he has quite the story for us today. And I'm just thrilled you're here because I think all of what you have to say is incredibly relevant and on point. Oh, thanks for having me. No, I'm, what you talk about is is right in line with a lot of what I've experienced. So yeah, this is good. Yeah. And actually the reason we are connected to begin with is that you put your experience out there on LinkedIn for all to see. And I was like, I got to talk to this guy. I got to talk to him. Cause yeah, um, you put a post up that was essentially a picture of you, a selfie in like a totally legit way on LinkedIn, by the way, there's some where I'm like, really? (laughs) Um, But you put a picture of yourself up on LinkedIn and you said, I'm so proud that I'm out and gray and I can do that now because I don't work in tech anymore. (laughs) Yes. Wow. Let's dig into that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think I just got a haircut and I I do like one selfie a month. This is the Gen X, the Gen X in me. I do a selfie a month. That's it. (laughs) Not not like 20 a day. Not Gen Z Um, style. Yeah. yeah, Not Gen Z style. (laughs) And it kind of hit me. I was like, man, I have a lot of gray in my beard now and my hair. And I was like, (laughs) I don't care. I I don't care anymore. And I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to dye my beard for a job interview because I don't have to. I can be who I am. Yeah, Yeah. it's kind of (laughs) nice. I mean, it's actually, it was eye-opening for me because I didn't realize that men actually felt that way, that they felt like they had to die. Yeah, tell me me about that. So a lot of guys, so I can think of a few friends that every time they dive back into the job market, they're like, well, I guess it's time to dye my hair again and time to shave off my beard because it makes me look older. Uh, and there was an article about this, that there is uh, a huge lift in plastic surgery for men in Silicon Valley. Yes. Yeah. I read the same article. Yeah, Brotox, yeah. right? Like they're going, yeah. getting the a lot of Botox. Botox yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, welcome so, yeah. to my world, guys. <laughs> I know. We're, we're in that world now. It's like, okay, I got to dye my hair. I got to get some Botox. Maybe I should think about makeup. I look tired. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're all on camera now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like Zoom every day. Your whole yeah, life. I'm oh just me. Gosh. I'm just me. I don't yeah. do any. Oh, I don't do any yeah. filters. It's like hi. Well, you look great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, thanks. Yeah. Well, that's senior. incredible. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it. First of all, thank you for going and coming out as old on LinkedIn. Which <laughs> I was. I was like, one of the funny things about doing this podcast is it's hard to get people to self-identify as old. Like, no one wants to be like, hey, I love your podcast, like openly, publicly, because they're saying, hey. I'm I'm thinking about this because it, it resonates with me for likely a reason, right? You're probably over 40 if you want to yeah. listen to this, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have the same same issue with my career coaching is a lot of people don't want to admit they're having trouble getting a job. 
And so they're kind of quiet about it. They worry, they call me their <laughs> secret look. weapon. They're like, oh, I don't want to talk <laughs> about it. And I don't want to share your article because then my boss knows I'm looking for a job. And I was like, okay. oh, totally. You're right. That's a really good point. So you have to have stealth, stealth, stealth. clients. Yes. Yeah, which clients. is a little, a little tough for marketing, but <laughs> it's um, really speaking hard of which, for marketing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It really is. I'm like, could you say that out loud? Like, I love that. <laughs> exactly. It's really funny. I'm like, it'd be really cool. Yeah, but I get it. Yeah. And I understand. But hopefully we'll be moving towards acceptance, self-acceptance, and self-compassion so. yeah. and all the good things. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, Larry, I'd love for you to walk us down memory lane a little bit in your career and let us know how you got to where you are today. Sure. Yeah. So I actually got my start in psychology of all places. So I got a a PhD in psychology from Rice. And that's when I first encountered, it's kind of funny because talking with you brought this memory up, uh, (laughs) ageism, where I was applying to grad school. My advisor told me, says, we're going to explain why you're older. And I was 26 at the time. (laughs) And I remember thinking old, I'm old already at 26. Uh, little did I know that was the beginning, right? Um, I thought at the time I was going to end up working at NASA because there was internships with uh, between Rice and, and NASA and the space program dried up and their budgets got cut. And so I ended up actually looking at Silicon Valley because of an advisor who was um, kind of a software developer too, as well as a psychologist. So I ended up in uh, IBM back in 93. So yeah, it's a long time ago uh, and fell in love with the Valley, fell in love with software Ended up after that, I was wrapping up my PhD and went to Apple. So I was at Apple um, kind of during the dark years with Gil Emilio and then uh, when Steve came back. So that was exciting and terrifying at the same time. <laughs> yeah, um, but you have some stories. Yeah, awesome guy, but scary. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would not um, want to get on that guy's bad side. Let me put no, it that way. <laughs> no. Uh, I'd left to join a startup and this is thanks to my network. So my network kind of pulled me into a startup. And I went and did that. We got acquired. We all got fired. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's tales of time. First... We've all been there. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, took all of our IP and laid us all off. Yeah. Mm, nice. Uh, first solopreneur business came after that. So I was kind of a design agency of one during the dot-com boom, which was amazing. Uh, great wow. time. Uh, and also during the crash. So that was not so amazing. <laughs> so the, not, the crash so drove me back into the corporate world because everybody vanished. All the clients yeah. vanished, the startups. So I was at eBay uh, for about four years and got into management. And that was the first time um, and started aggressively kind of climbing the ladder because I knew in the back of my head that the individual contributor clock was ticking. I'd already seen some of it. Um, I remember going to a talk Silicon Valley is great for these. And it was with this, this guy, Doug Engelbart, Engelbert, who was the inventor of the mouse. So he invented the mouse. He was, I think he was either 70 or 75 at the time. And I remember sitting in the audience and some, we were all younger people. And they're like, who's the old guy on stage? Some old guy. And I knew, and I said, he invented the mouse, man. And it's like, yeah. it's, <laughs> he's like, how can old people be creative? It's like, he was amazing. Oh. So articulate. <laughs> So creative, still doing creative stuff, you know, which really opened my eyes. And I was like, age is, is really a number. I know everybody says that. And I know young <laughs> people don't believe it, but you are a very different age in your head than you think you are, which so is true. true. Uh, I went to Yahoo and went up the executive path there. And so I uh, became a VP of design, then a VP of product. 
uh, left after four years and went solo again. So I started advising startups again, doing um, more high-level advisory work now, thanks to my position at Yahoo. Did the entrepreneur route. So I had a startup, raised money, built a team. Did that for about three years until it failed and we couldn't raise another round and said, okay, now what? And then I went back into solopreneurship again and said, I'm kind of done. I'm done being an employee (laughs) and I'm done being an entrepreneur and raising money and building a team. And I've been solo ever since I've been doing that. Gosh, it's been like seven years now doing career coaching, leadership coaching and stuff like that. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, you took about a million pivots there, which is really awesome. Lots of pivots. Lots of pivots, you know, Uh, which I think should be a hopeful thing for most people, right? The the fact that you can reinvent yourself. I'm constantly marveling at that as a human, right? I love seeing all the different ways in which I have evolved. And I know that I can always change tomorrow, which is a, which is a wonderful and also scary thing. <laughs> but um, I think what, what strikes me is, you know, you, you certainly, you had your, uh, well, you had the ability to go back and forth, right? Which I think is really important. Like you didn't have the sense that if you took a step in one direction, you could never go back, which I think is a really important thing to underscore because a lot of people are frightened about their ability to come back into the job market and actually work for employers if they take a step out on their own. But the other thing that I, I think is, is fascinating is that you took you took a stab at the entrepreneur route where you are an employer, right? You're creating a company, you're trying to create shareholder value. That is such a path that is glorified. I mean, beyond, it's just insane how, how glorified that is in our culture. And no one talks about the behind the scenes nitty gritty in the way in which I think they should, because it, it really looks like soul sucking, just gut punching type of work to me when I actually think about it in a lot of ways. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts on comparing and contrasting, you know, your experience uh, as an entrepreneur versus a solopreneur. Right. So as a solopreneur, my model has always been get a client, get revenue flowing before you kind of commit and go all in and before you spend a ton of money on it. That's, it's like, is this going to work? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Very much MVP. Like having a client and saying, I guess I better make a business now. I have a client. <laughs> uh, whereas the other way around with uh, entrepreneurship and building a, a tech company, it's like we raised $1.3 and we said, oh, no, now we got to build a product. And the clock yeah. is ticking. It was just no a pitch money. deck. We <laughs> had Seriously, nothing. it was a pitch deck. I built a prototype. It was an and idea. Yeah, it was vaporware. Yeah. And it totally is. It totally is. It's mm-hmm. all a promise and a hope and a dream, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember having this conversation with one of the investors. And I said, I'm trying to decide if we should try to get revenue coming in now. Because I had an idea for an enterprise product. Or we focus completely on the consumer. And he said, oh, don't worry about revenue. Just, <laughs> just get traction. He said, How go consumer, turned, go big. Right? right? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay, but I'm, I'm the guy running everything. You know, so I was in charge of all the business side and the accounting and the lawyers and all that stuff. And I'm watching the bank account go down. I'm like, Oof. I don't know how much runway we have left. You know, I'm stretching it, but it's so stressful. Versus being a solopreneur, it's like you immediately have revenue flowing in. And then you're just trying to figure out how do I accelerate that and how do I get more clients and how do I scale things versus how do I even make money? 
you know, it's like, you're already making money. I can completely understand that one path might be, one path is very glorified. Like solopreneurship doesn't have that same sort of cachet in society. They they make fun of it in Silicon Valley. (laughs) They do, they do. But I'm like, have you ever tested it out? Like, do you know what it's like? It's it's so funny. Um, And ultimately, what do you want out of life, right? And so when I consider if I were to embark on an entrepreneurial journey versus doing my own thing and controlling my own this sounds cheesy, but controlling my own destiny a little bit. Like this doesn't really, the entrepreneurial path doesn't like, it just sounds like it's laden with stress and strife and um, anxiety. And I'm just like, man, maybe I could get a bigger payout at the end of the day, potentially, but 90% of them fail. (laughs) Right. And then you're pulling other people's down, people down with you because your dream sinks. And so does theirs with it. Right. It is very sad. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it's Adam Grant. The new season of my TED podcast, Work Life, is out now. The past few years have been full of changes to how we work. There's so much more we can rethink about our jobs. Join me as I dive into the science of making work not suck. This season, we'll explore how to fix your meetings, bust bureaucracy, and make the most out of your breaks and vacations. Listen to Work Life with Adam Grant wherever you listen to podcasts. I'd love for you to share with the audience, you know, how did you get started on your solopreneur journey? How do you suggest people consider doing so as well themselves if it's something of interest? Yeah. Um, so I do recommend for pretty much everybody to start testing the waters while you have a job. Mm-hmm. And I know that runs contrary to the Shopify CEO's guidelines, <laughs> but, uh, oh, good that Lord. Um, <clears throat> but, Jeez. uh, it's a lot easier to test things and make better decisions when you're not terrified about losing your home. And so that's the problem. A lot of people think they have to go all in. They're like, I'm going to quit. I'm going to give myself six months and I have savings and I'm going to be burning through my savings. And I'm like, you're already going to have the clock ticking just like when you're an entrepreneur. Right. And you're going to be thinking what happens, you know, how do I move forward knowing that my bank account's dwindling, knowing I may not be able to pay rent or my mortgage and support my family. And it's terrifying. And so if you're not in that mode, you think more clearly and you're more creative and you take bigger risks, which sometimes you need to do. And so you have that steady paycheck. That's essentially your investor. And I say, think of your job as your investor. And it is. So give your employer what you should be giving them. Do the work you should be doing. Don't be working on your business during business hours and stuff like that or yeah, on their equipment or network. Yeah. yeah. We've all but, seen that Silicon Valley episode, oh, right? Like, yeah. you remember <laughs> how, how close Richard Hendricks was to losing all of Pipe Pipe? Oh, you could. You could lose everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, that's what I recommend is that you test an idea and you start to float it. And it's so easy now. I wrote an article and it was like, you know, kind of playful saying, build a business in 30 days for $30. And that's kind of what you can do. And it really is that cheap. Like you put up a card website, you set up Calendly and you say, okay. And you hang your shingle up on LinkedIn and Twitter and say, I'm starting to provide coaching. If you're interested, reach out. We can have a free call, see if I'm a good fit for you and see if I can help solve your problems. And that's kind of what I did. And I had clients and I had people doing uh, repeat business with me. And I said, okay, there's a there there. Now I can go all in on it and scale it. Absolutely. Yeah. No. And, and, I think one other thing that I picked up, so so Larry, by the way, is also a podcaster and has an excellent podcast called The Invincible Solopreneur. And 
he had one episode that was all about necessity being the mother of invention. And here we are in a time where that might be the case for many a tech worker, right? And one thing you suggested was, you know, to, like you said, do this before you leave your company. So if you're lucky enough to still have a job, you know, put this on your LinkedIn, have this as, you know, something that you're doing, right? And and then it's not as scary. And, and you also go into any other future employer with this already being a part of your package, right? Like they look at your LinkedIn and they see, oh, Larry Cornette Consulting. I guess he's doing this until the present. Like, oh, it looks like he's been doing this concurrently. He's going to want to continue to do this if he is employed here, right? So you set, instead of having to ask for permission to do it once you're there, it's already there, right? Like, that's brilliant. Yeah. It covers the gaps in employment too. And so I tell people there's zero cost to putting your last name and saying, you know, it's Miller Consulting or it's Smith Strategy Consulting, whatever you want to call it, and start doing some advisory work on the side. If you want to do some for free, you can. You do some pro bono stuff. But have it running in parallel at all times because, as you know, spinning up marketing for a new business takes a long time. It takes a long time to get traction, to get noticed, and to get people you know, listening to your podcast and reading your newsletter and all that kind of stuff. So keep it running constantly, and then you can dial it up and down as necessary. If you lose your job, you'll be like, okay, I guess I'll do more consulting for a while while I'm doing a job search. Maybe I won't go back, which is kind of what I was doing. I was consulting. I was thinking about going back and finding a job after I left Yahoo. And then about six months later, I was like, I guess I'm not going back. I'm just going to stay independent, and I haven't gone back in 13 years. So I've been independent for 13 years and have no intention of going back. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's good. It sounds like you found the, the right place for you, which is, I think, all we're really setting out to do as people, right? Is trying to find the right fit, whether that's within the four walls of an organization or doing our own thing. Yeah. So much of it, I think, that people don't spend time doing is thinking about the life they want. And so it can be as an employee, it can be as a solopreneur, maybe as an entrepreneur, you know, who knows. But we all think about what is my ideal life going to be like after I retire? And I'm like, that's a long time from now, by the way. A lot of us are going to retire much later than our grandparents did and our parents did. And that's just kind of the nature of it. And who said that enjoyment in life has to come after retirement? Why are you yeah, delaying it's that? It's depressing. It's, it's super depressing. depressing. That's how I like, felt. I, I was on the freeway <laughs> one day and I wrote about this because I was on the freeway for four hours one day. Four hours. And I said, <laughs> this is my life. I'm spending anywhere between two to four hours a day on the freeway and stop and go traffic. And I said, and this is the prime of my life and my kids are at home and I don't see them because I get home and they're in bed already. And I said, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to live like this anymore. And that's why I was like, I'm done. I'm done yeah. with this. I'm going to go and build a business that is focused on giving me the life I want now, which is what I think everyone should think about. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, this is something that, I mean, COVID was a terrible time for almost everybody. And I definitely am one of them who still has PTSD from it for sure. But I think it also underscored these realities of our lives. And and I think kind of got our eyes opened a bit as to what we were giving up to do this other type of work. And I think we tasted it and we're like, hell no. And that's why, <laughs> right. It's pretty sweet. And that's why this return to office stuff is such nonsense, yes. right? Like yeah. it's, it's really just a power grab from the employers because they shifted so much to the employees hands over yeah. COVID. And now they're like, uh-uh, I signed a really massively expensive lease. You will yes. be getting your butt back in the seat here. Right. Exactly. And exactly. It, 
that's what it is. But I think that, you know, employees are saying increasingly, hell no. Right. Like, and they are. it's going to be interesting to see what happens and, and how many people will end up losing their jobs and where those people will end up going. And it, yeah, I just kind of, I kind of can't wait to see how this all plays out, but I hope, I hope everyone's okay. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh my gosh. Luckily there are some employers that are enlightened and some that have been remote forever, you know, like automatic is, is a good example. And that's the, the company behind WordPress. So they're like, we're always remote. We're a distributed company. We're global. We get together, I think every six months or a year for a big retreat and they spend a week together and it's exciting and it's fun, but they do most of their work remotely. So there are companies that are realizing, I think, cause I'm seeing it with some of my clients are getting jobs with companies based in Europe that are like, Hey, come here. It's like, you know, we have a reasonable work-life balance. You get tons of vacation. We don't expect you to be working 12 hour days. Some of them are working remotely and just come and visit every month or two or every quarter. So there's a whole new world, I think, and a talent grab happening with companies saying, we'll keep remote and uh, work for us. You can keep that lifestyle. It'll be a competitive advantage, I would imagine, for I employers, so. yeah. right? Yeah. So, I, think th- so I mean, I, I will say there's something that I, now that I'm, I guess, somewhat of a solopreneur myself doing this on my own, I do miss the community. And so the community of work was something that I didn't realize how much it mattered to me until it was gone. Right. So there's, there's a loneliness angle, but, um, perhaps again, like your suggestion that people just go out and start this on their own while they're still employed, like that could circumvent some of the initial loneliness of entrepreneur. Yeah. What I will recommend, because I did this, is either find a community to join, and there are tons of entrepreneurial communities, and I mean solopreneurial. So there's tons of communities now that support each other, and I joined one like that and made friends I still have to this day. So we've been friends for over a decade. And build your own community, which is kind of powerful. So you can build a community that's all about the values you believe in and all about how you want to treat each other and what you believe is your mission, your shared vision for the world. And now you're not lonely anymore. I have communities and we talk every day in Slack and I have communities in Discord and it's like, it's my new community. And um, we don't work in the same company, but we support each other. That's really nice. Yeah. I mean, so much of our world now is online and these connections that you make, they, you know, they, they do, they're real, you know, and, and, and there are many times when I've gone and I've met someone in person for the first time. And it seems like I have already done that. Right. Cause you, you've been, you've been zoomed. Like, I'm sure when I finally meet you in person, I'll be like, Oh, Larry. Yeah. You know, it's just, it, it's is, it is like that. Yeah. 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 It's just the, yeah. So it's a new world and I'm super grateful for that because it was, it was a dark time when we were all alone in our homes, um, our apartments or wherever we were. So Larry, your resume is pretty insane when it comes to the companies that you've listed. I mean, it's the household names, the Titans of industry is like, this is, this is the Silicon Valley experience. Um, what did you see working in these brand name household name companies in Silicon Valley? Like what, what did you experience with regard to age? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because part of the community and maybe because they don't want to legally admit it, they're like, I don't, (laughs) I don't see age discrimination. I've never, I've never experienced it. Therefore it must never happen. Exactly. Uh, And I saw it, I saw it literally happening. I remember interviewing an older candidate once for a job uh, and we went into the debrief and somebody said, I don't, I don't know if he can be creative enough because you know, he's, he's kind of old. And I said, what you just said is absolutely illegal. 
I said, we cannot hire somebody or, or not hire somebody based on their age. And I said, and that has nothing to do with their creativity and innovation. So I saw kind of the head peeking out of, of age discrimination. And then my friends and I talked about it. So I have an inner circle of support with people my age. And we all said, if you don't climb up fast and get into management and leadership, you're going to be out because it's okay to be older and to have some of that gray hair as an executive, but not as an individual contributor. And I know some people are like, oh, that's not true. That's not true. Well, it depends greatly on your profession. Uh, I was in design at the time. Design does not like seeing older people doing design work. It's okay to be the older VP of design. Uh, and we had some older VPs of design. I guess I was one. <laughs> so funny how I wasn't one. Wait, like, I was wait, one. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. But we definitely knew, and we talked about this, like if you don't get to an executive rank or a C-level by the time you're in your 50s, kind of mid-50s, you're done. Yeah. You're done. Uh, and you better figure out how earlier. to then ease yeah. into consulting, right? Yeah. So it's okay to be an older consultant and advisor. Everybody mm -hmm. likes that wisdom. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not an employee. So I, I definitely saw that. And I saw it when I left and went to raise money for my startup. And I, there were two different firms I went to. I mean, I went to a lot, but there are two where this came up. And one said, are you sure you guys want to do this at this point in your lives? You know, <laughs> it takes a lot of energy to have a startup. And we're like, okay. Oh, and so he was a little more subtle about it. But the second guy, he was a young partner. He came into the room and I was sitting there with two of my partners. And uh, he looked, and he said, a lot of gray hair in this room. Oh, man. <laughs> and I said, what? <laughs> what? So he, Can you imagine that being said to like a lot of women in this room? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, exactly. A lot of people exactly. of color in this room. Like no one would ever say that. It is one of the last isms that is still okay and people joke about. And it's mm -hmm. like, oh, you're old. It's funny. Ha ha. Yeah. It was interesting. And I said, let me ask you a question because the guy who ran the firm, who owned it, <laughs> had been the CEO of a company where I'd been. I said, if we weren't older and I couldn't pick up a phone and talk to him and have him tell you, you should meet with me, would I be in this room right now? And he said, fair point. You know, I said, yeah. I said, it's about our connections and our wisdom and what we're going to do. I said, it's not about our gray hair. <laughs> like, come on, man. And that guy probably so wouldn't have called you in it's anyway. Real. Yeah, it, yeah, it is real. Yeah. And I remember there was a quote from uh, Paul Graham, the founder of Y Combinator, and he said, after 32, people get a little skeptical about your abilities as an <laughs> entrepreneur. And they're like, sure, I'm not going to yeah. fund you if you're over 32. Yeah. I mean, 32. And yet <laughs> the, the data says, exactly. But yet the, the studies and the data say that yeah. the the most successful entrepreneurs of all are on average 45 years old. So it's that's just right. like, yeah. where's this disconnect coming from? So, wow, that's a pretty stark example of experiencing it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's absolutely right. Because I think some of the most powerful things you can bring to bear in an environment like a startup or even the work that we do in consulting, it's your network and your connections. And that's something that only grows more powerful as you get older, you know, as a college kid, you don't have it yet. You just don't have those kind of connections. But as you build your resume and you work with people and you build all these relationships, you just pick up the phone and you can find somebody to help yeah. with almost anything. It's so true. I think that's why the older founders do so well is they know exactly who to pick up the phone and call. Exactly. Um, which is an advantage. 
It is an advantage. I guess the advantage that younger founders have as well is that they come with this network of just, it's, it's, a, it's a different kind of network, but it's a bunch of contemporaries who could be pulled in for a low amount of money and, you know, the promise of tomorrow, right? And so they can pull from that pool. And that's probably also why early stage startups tend to be so youthful, if you will, because the founders are that age, they receive the funding and then they pull from their pool, right? So um, but yeah, that's that's the only network they bring, which is, I suppose, for the employers who are looking to you know, pay people as little as possible. I'm a little cynical here, but that's that's what they're looking for. Right. And so I kind of I kind of wonder when do the VCs step in and tell their port codes like, hey, like maybe don't just go to your college and maybe you should look at I just come on, guys. Hey, quick break here. If you or anyone you know are looking for a new tech job and you're aiming for a company that understands the value of experienced workers, sign up for our email list where we'll send you jobs from companies that we hand select as a fit for tech employees over 40. Go to itgetsleteearly.com and add your email. Now back to the show. Okay, so you've you've experienced ageism as both an employee rank and file sure. and then as a an aspiring yeah. founder yeah. and entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. So that's fun. So you've seen it on both sides. Um, it's interesting to hear that this is something that came to your attention so early. I'm, I'm assuming you figured this out about the VP path and like the IC dead end yeah. uh, a little bit yeah, early. Yeah, we had a lot of coffee chats about that. My Did friends you? Okay. Yeah. So that's the thing that I find so interesting about this very subject is that it's all around us. Like we see it plain as day in front of us. And yet what we aren't really talking about, like this is people. I mean, I was grateful to you seeing you post your, your picture on LinkedIn and say coming out as old, right. But people are all feeling this. They're all ruminating over it. They're fretting over it, but nothing's being done. Why do you think that is? Yeah. I think part of the problem is no one wants to admit they're there yet. So I think, I think there's a larger issue with age in our culture. And it's not true of every culture, but certainly true in American culture where everybody wants to be younger, feel younger, not admit they're getting older, uh, use all the filters they can get their hands on to look younger. And we're afraid to get older for some reason uh, and afraid to embrace it and to age gracefully, which is funny because I think our generation is living a much healthier lifestyle than previous generations. And we are aging better. I mean, I lift weights every day. I love it. I'm in better shape now in my fifties than I was in my twenties. And I'm not joking or exaggerating. I am way better shape now than I was in my twenties, which is funny. Oh, fantastic. So it's really about how you take care of yourself and how you live. Uh, but nobody wants to be part of that. They don't want to admit they're there yet because there is discrimination whether we like to admit it or not. So I think that's part of it is no one wants to raise their hand and say, me too. Um, I'm gray haired too, because they fear the moment they do that and they let it happen, that the calls will slow down and the recruiters will stop calling. Right. Well, and the reality is that that is true. I mean, I've heard yeah. from countless people at this point that they've experienced that. And I myself has, have experienced that, you know, literally the moment I hit 40, I stopped receiving yeah. inbound inquiries. I was like, wait, nothing. I'm the same. Yeah, what happened? What yeah. happened? And <laughs> some of it's the, you know, market conditions, but like a lot of it's not, sure. right? A lot of it's yeah. very real. And there are ways in which you can preclude people from even getting into your candidate pool or being on mm -hmm. your radar if they hit a certain number of years experience or a certain age, right? At, you know, if you, your college graduation dates. 
that's on there, for example. Yeah. So um, I do think you're absolutely correct in that we have some really deep work to do on ourselves in terms yeah. of our own internal ageism, which has been programmed in us for so much time yeah. of our lives, yeah. right? Basically, since we were here um, yeah. on the planet. All over so mass media. Yeah. Yeah. It is. And I, I do sense that it's shifting a bit, which is really cool. But yeah, there's the problem with uh, being able to say out there, hey, yes, I'm older and I see this and this is a problem. And um, I feel like because I'm not, um, I don't present as, you know, in my 50s or 60s yet, right? Like I almost have a little bit more latitude to be able to talk about it, it which is so messed up because I feel like people, especially women get in, in hot water for being, you know, like a shrill nag or something, if they're, if you're like screaming about something. Right. And, and so I think because I don't present that way, I have the ability to talk about it in a way that hopefully like, it's like guiding the conversation instead of saying like, this is happening and I'm so pissed about it, you know, which is so unfair, but in any event, it is, it's all coming for me. Like I know it's coming down the pipe, coming in hot, as my friend said, you know, so yeah yeah it is but i think there's a way to transition into it in a really healthy way um and i think that is you know, it's kind of what i accepted i was like you know i'm done with the major rat race i kind of climbed a ladder did the thing and i'm like okay good enough now i want to help other people and so it is that mentoring aspect and the coaching aspect which is really fulfilling and really rewarding that i think we all can offer and we all need it so badly. And I, I, I look at the people who don't have physical offices now who are younger and haven't been around people who've been doing the job. And I, I feel for them because I know that the mentors I had through my career were instrumental in getting me to where I am today. And it's harder to do that remotely, you know? Um, so I, I just yeah. feel for people. Yeah. I do have a lot of clients that I mentor in their, they're in their twenties, um, awesome. considerable more than I would expect. So I've, I've got cool. older clients who are like, Hey, I'm hitting the wall and I'm not getting promoted like I used to and getting a job is harder than it used to be. And some that are looking at breaking free and starting their own business and, and saying, okay, I'm done. And then the younger folks, I think it is because of this, that they're not, they're telling me they're not getting the mentoring and coaching at work. Their boss is too busy to talk to them. They haven't had a one-on-one in six months. And so oh, I'm man. their virtual boss and I, but I'm a boss who cares. <laughs> so, it's, like, it's like, I'm on your side, you know? And so yeah. I do have some really young folks that are just say, how do I navigate this when, wow. when a toxic coworker behaves this way, what do I do? So it's, um, they need it. They really do. That's a really cool role for you to inhabit. I love that. Oh, I enjoy like, it. Yeah. 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 Well, it seems like you're, you're absolutely kind of in your highest and best use where you are there, but finally, I yeah, mean, you've yeah. done <laughs> finally, right. It takes time and experience, it but does. you've done yeah. all the things. And, you know, I think it's how much of your experience of ageism and, and seeing what was unfolding in front of your eyes with regard to age in Silicon Valley, how much of that do you think informed your ultimate decision to go out on your own? Quite a bit, uh, quite a bit. And it continues to, um, I am now much more intentional about planning the next decade. So I think a lot about it and I think a lot about my shelf life, even as a career coach. Right. So it's like, who wants advice on their career from a 70 year old? You know, I know that day's coming where it's like, nah, I don't want career advice from a guy in his 70s. So uh, I already know it's coming. So instead of fighting it, resisting it, pretending it's not coming, I know better now. And so yeah. I am intentionally planning my 10, 20, 30 year window of what I'm going to do with my life and how I transition into each phase 
where my age continues, my wisdom, whatever I've acquired becomes an asset. And how can I bring that to bear and give people that value in a way that my age is not a big issue? Um, and so very much guiding what I'm doing. That's the way I started really this exploration myself was like considering that I saw the future in front of me and I was like, I'm not sure it's one that includes me. I'm not sure it's one where I can persist and have the kind of role and the kind of life that I'd like. And so that's why I started thinking, hmm, is there something beyond just corporate employment? Is there something else here? And hopefully I'll figure it out, but you have to get to a point you where you, you trust will. yourself. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. hope so. Um, but you, you have to start trusting yourself and trusting your intuition yeah. and seeing the forest through the trees. And I think that's what you've articulated so well right there is that you are looking around the bend at what's coming and you're not caught off guard. You're not caught on your heels because you see it. And, you know, I think that we are getting to a place in society where we do see more representation of older people and we see them in a light that they have not really been portrayed in in the past you know in the in the past it's more like oh that shucks that cute old person or that feeble oh can we go help you you know like that was what we saw but now we're seeing gary the bachelor the golden bachelor out there killing it and that got the highest ratings i guess in bachelor premieres and which was so uplifting for me to hear it's like okay people are actually they're they're in they're on it um they're in they're interested it's great but um i mean i do think that that is shifting and will necessarily shift because we are living so much longer like you said we are being so much more healthy in our choices and we're going to need to we're going to need to adopt a new mindset in order to sustain us through those golden years, right? So would you, given the current climate, right, with the tech layoffs and what have you, would you argue that almost everybody should be a solopreneur? I, I am biased, of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that, I do think that everybody should explore some kind of a side hustle. And it can be super small. It can be something that's not even monetized. It can be something that you do pro bono and just gives you kind of a lift because it is building your own thing, as you probably experienced, super inspiring, very motivational. It makes you feel great at the end of a long day, maybe working for an employer you're not so happy with. You turn that off and you work on your own thing and you're building your own thing. It feels good and it gives you hope for the future. So I think everybody should do it to the degree they can get some time carved out to do that. And we all have a little bit of time we could do that. I think it helps weather the storm. So we're looking at these economic times and we're looking at companies doing massive layoffs of tens of thousands of people. And the people who aren't prepared are now panicking and hitting the market. And then the unfortunate thing is they're hitting the market with everybody else who's hitting the market. So it's like, you're all competing for the same jobs. So if you had something on the side that you're like, okay, well, I'll just dial that up for a little bit and I know I can make ends meet. Maybe I'm not going to be feeling fabulously wealthy with this and maybe I won't go to Hawaii for Christmas, but that's okay. I'll be okay. Uh, super empowering and you can dial it up and down and there may come a day you say, I'm ready to go all in on this. It's successful and I know it could be even more so if I gave it 100% of my attention. I'll do it. And it's not right for everyone. I don't think everyone should be a solopreneur and have a business because it, it is, it's a certain mindset that it requires to like that kind of thing. But I do thinking having something on the side is good for everyone because they do tell you, and it's very true, 
that if you retire without a purpose, without something to get out of bed for every day, quite literally, you don't live as long. And it's just true. And so having this and saying, well, now I'm going to go teach at the community college. And it's not about the money. It's about helping and giving back and having a purpose. So I think everybody benefits from that. What would you tell someone who was thinking about this path, but hasn't taken the step or hasn't made the leap yet? What would, what would you tell them? So the thing, there is a process that I think is super helpful. And I think a lot of it is, and I talk about it, is transform your current job description into your ideal business description. So don't start from a cold start. You're not starting from a cold start saying, oh, how do I even think about what I'm going to do? I, you know, building entirely new skills and knowledge, which you could if you want to do that, but you've probably got decades of experience. You're super talented, very experienced. You've acquired all this wisdom. You can turn that energy away from the employer into a business and say, what if I offered this to the market? What if I controlled my destiny, as you were saying earlier? So I think that's a good process is to take everything that you love about what you do, bring that over forward and say, what would a business look like that was everything that I do well and everything I enjoy and none of the stuff I hate? (laughs) Imagine that. (laughs) Craft your ideal job description. And then wrap a business around it. And then the second thing I would say is find a community. It is so hard to do this alone. It is really hard. Not impossible. A lot easier to find friends who've done it or who are doing it. And you're sharing the wisdom together saying, I learned something new about websites or email campaigns or advertising on Google. Or I've been doing this for five years and here's the mistakes I made. Don't do this. Let me help you. Here's some advice I can give you. It is so much easier and less frightening when you have a community and you have friends you can turn to with a Zoom call and say, can you talk with me a little bit about this? Because I'm struggling. They're like, sure, let's let's have a chat. I do that all the time. I talk with my community every day. That's fantastic. Now, what about the people who might engage in this and start taking the leap towards solopreneurship who are currently employed? What about those who find themselves meeting resistance in the form of, say, the Shopify CEO saying, hey, I don't want you guys to have side hustles because I want you focused on my business, right? (laughs) how, how, How do people handle that sort of scenario? Sure. So one thing you should be clear about is what is legally possible where you are. So I'm spoiled. Uh, I live in California, which is extremely friendly to entrepreneurship. Yes, uh, Extremely employee friendly. Not every state is like that. Not every country is like that. So check your agreement, your employment agreement, check your local laws and be clear about what is possible versus not because you don't want to get into a situation where your employer could take your IP or you could get sued or Mm -hmm. fired or whatever it might be. So do that. Talk with an accountant. Talk with a lawyer. Get some advice and say, what can I possibly do? And depending on the situation, you may be able to go all in on doing something in your own hours. Please do it on your own hours and your own equipment. So do that. Or you may have to wait and say, nothing stops you from thinking about it. They don't own your mind. I'm sorry. Shopify dude, you don't own people's (laughs) minds. So they don't own your mind, they don't own your heart and soul, and they don't own your little paper notebook at home where you can start writing every day. And I journal every morning, it's super powerful. And I do it for my business and my own creativity. Build everything and think through it and have it all kind of figured out. And then if you're in a place where you can't do this until you quit, maybe have some cushion six months to a year. It's gonna take a while and say, but at least I've done all the planning, I'm ready. I'm not Mm -hmm. going to quit and go, now what am I going to do? It's like, you know what you're going to do. 
So now you can actually execute it. That's great. I also think that when you don't have that um, ability to just kind of take a pause and look at what you've built, like you just suggested, it's kind of a, a soft landing pad, right? Yeah. Um, it, you can get into that sort of panic applications, just right. take anything yeah. that comes your way, which doesn't help you architect the type of career path that is right. most advantageous or most you. And yeah. so I think that's another risk uh, associated with not sort of creating something on the side. But, you know, it's it's something that I, I say, knowing that in the past also glorified was the side hustle culture, right? And sure. that was yeah. another thing that's been pushed on yeah. us. And I remember thinking like in the throes of COVID misery, while I'm trying to just keep my, my mental sanity and trying to keep my right. job yeah. and trying to keep my family alive and, you know, from going insane. Um, I remember thinking, and on top of this, I'm supposed to have a side hustle. Screw that, you know, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, screw yeah. that. So I, I just have to have that slight caveat of, you know, there's sometimes when it's just too much, you know, yeah, and absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes the time is not right, but I think you're, you're, this is really sound advice. And I think we do have to look up and look around and keep our eyes open at what is actually happening in the tech landscape yeah. right now. And it is quite likely that if you work in tech and, probably in some roles more than others, um, you could lose your job. So don't get right, caught right. on your heels, like get ahead of this a little bit, put yourself yeah. in the best position possible. And so I think, you know, this is one of those times where I might say like, Ooh, side hustle should be kind of creeping up the top of your priority list versus sure. during yeah. COVID when I was like, just trying to survive over here. <laughs> don't <laughs> shame right. me for not having the side hustle. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't have time for that. No, no. No, I think the that's why I like the journaling ideas. It's so low cost and easy. I just sit down with a cup of coffee and it's like, it's a good exercise even for your mental and emotional health. I love that. Well, I hope this episode has gotten people thinking a little bit more about what they might pursue outside of work, outside on their own computer and working hours or in their notebook. By the way, let's remind everyone of that. Um, but I think your path is really inspiring. I think uh, I really appreciate you sharing some of the wisdom that you've acquired over the years, hard fought wisdom in some cases, both uh, within the employer sort of realm and then becoming your own employer and now, you know, owning your own solo, solo business. So thank you for being here. We're going to absolutely link all of the links to your uh, newsletter, to your website, to your LinkedIn, and to your your uh, podcast as well. You have multiple podcasts. You do a lot, Larry. I'm very impressed I do by t- you. Probably too much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, you're having fun. Probably. That's clear. I am and having you're fun. creating I, I value it. and making a difference. So yeah. I think that's well, for what we me. all want. Thanks for yeah. being here. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us today at It Gets Late Early. I hope this episode was insightful and entertaining. Now, before you go, if you're old and work in tech, just like me, I have something really cool for you. We're putting together a job board specifically for seasoned tech workers, where we'll curate the best opportunities for experienced tech talent. If you want a place to look for work where you can trust there won't be so much bias in the hiring process, go to itgetsleteearly.com and sign up so you'll be the first to know when we launch it. Thanks and see you next time.